to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode something of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Stuart McFall. Yeah, so this week's one is a bit of a different one because um, this is getting recorded... When is it? It's the 31st of January, so um, it's not going to go up probably until sometime in April or May, um, just to cover some time when I'm away. So, um, yeah, we don't know what number... I think it's going to be number 95, I think? Possibly 96. Possibly 96. Anyway, so what we're going to do differently, because we don't actually... We won't have seen it, we haven't seen anything that's out of the week, of whatever week this is, we're going to do a focus on just a random director that I have picked, um, and that director is Oliver Stone. Okay, um, so just as as a traditional show, are you drinking anything for tonight's podcast? Uh, Lem's tip. Lem. <laughs> with man flu. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm drinking lemonade, so we're not exactly killing it right now with the, the three beers aspect of it. But at least we're at least we're talking. That's a, that's the main thing. We are talking, and we are old. Yes. That, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to focus on all the stone. We're going to do his filmography, which will be quite a, a massive filmography, and we'll just discuss him as a director, him as a sort of cultural icon, and, and what he sort of means to us, us both. Um, I was trying to find a director to pick that there's some debate over we can discuss, because I think if we, if we pick, like, say, Tarantino or Kevin Smith or the Coen Brothers, it would be, or Sam Raimi, it would be a, quite a boring discussion, I think. Cause I think we can be, be gushing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it would become pretty um, pretty dull very quickly if you say we love everything he's ever done, ever, ever, ever. Um, yeah. Whereas with Stone, I think there is, there's enough range of, of movies where at some, I think we can say there's at least maybe half a dozen, maybe four Stonewall classics. Yeah. And then there's a few, like, sort of great movies and there's a few sort of like, oof, Jesus. And then there's a few, like, oh my God, kind of movies, you know, his, so... It, it, his it, filmography it, is like the man himself. It's He's... He's so divisive, isn't he? Yeah. And he's all over the place. Exactly, yeah. So that's that's what makes him really interesting. Um, and up until recently, there's not really been anyone like him, I would say. Um, I think until um, Adam McKay started doing his sort of thing over the last like two films. It's sort of the closest thing the world's had to an Oliver Stone type figure for quite a while. And since Oliver Stone stopped being Oliver Stone, which we'll, we'll, yeah. get, we'll get to in time. Um, so yeah, so... Focusing the man first, uh, he was born in New York, which for some reason I didn't imagine him as a New Yorker. That seems to me kind of odd. Um, back in 1946, so he is 71 now? Yeah, yeah. 72. He'll be 72 this year. Yeah, so. Um, and quick quick background, he was joined the army in 67. Um, I think he came from, from what I remember, he came from, did he come from quite a rich family? Like, not a rich family, but a sort of middle class family? Yeah, he, he had like, did he? like French relatives or something like that. Yeah. Down in France and stuff. And yeah. He, yeah. He went to Yale. And Aye, and he, he, I think he was all right, wasn't he? Yeah, he, I think he could have got deferments, is my point. He could have decided to not go, but I think he almost went to the war as an act of rebellion. Sounds like Oliver Stone. Yeah, to, to almost to say, if you're telling me I, I don't have to go, then fuck you, I'm going to go. Because um, not, <laughs> yeah. not, not only did he not I think he could have went as a... Like a journalist or something like that, but he actually requested combat, um, and he was wounded twice. Um, so he served in Vietnam from '67 to '68, and then got discharged. Um, after that, he came back from the army and he sort of mulled around Hollywood, trying to get his career off the ground. Um, so his breakthrough wasn't as a director; it was actually he did direct a film in 1974 called Seizure. Have you ever seen this film? No, have you? It's a very largely forgotten horror flick. Um, horror. Yeah. Um, genre piece I've never seen it I think it's maybe even out of print now to be honest I, don't, I think it'll be very difficult to find it um, wow. but yeah that, that was his first directing um, sort of walk into that world um, where he started getting more headlines was in 1979 he was a, he was a writer of um, Midnight Express yes um, which I don't think he won the Oscar for but I think he might have been no it wasn't he won the Oscar for that didn't he yes yeah he did he won the Oscar for Midnight Express so his first Screenplay out the boat door. Screenplay, yeah. yeah, just for screenplay, yeah. And great about Alan Parker. So, he, so I think even early on, you can tell his writings what he, he didn't shy away from like sort of political things. Um, and also, yeah. he um, based on what the gentleman who was involved in Midnight Express, Billy Hayes, who was a sort of the, the main protagonist of Midnight Express, that Oliver Stone was quite happy to bend the truth or or even just flat out lie in the pursuit of a story. He he, he didn't see any problem with that. That's that's a recurring theme, really, or yeah. a recurring critique with Stone, isn't it, I suppose? And that's the beginning of that. He's very much someone who has his ideological stance. Yes. And he won't let the truth get in the way of that slant. You know, yeah. it's, it's a skewed version of journalistic truth, isn't it? Yeah, why let, yeah, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? 
exactly. Yeah. So I think from what um, I know about the Midnight Express, the, the the general bones of the story are are accurate. It's they're just sort of there's a lot more there's a lot of stuff in it that maybe didn't happen the way it, it was happened in real life. But uh-huh. he he thought artistically it would look better to do it this way. Um, but from that he managed to get a another directing job um, with directing a film called The Hand. Have you ever seen The Hand? I have not seen the hand. The hand is uh, starring Michael Caine. All right. Yeah, so it's um, it's it's in that period of time in the eighties when Michael Caine would say yes to pretty much, you know, <laughs> this is this is this is his Jaws revenge, you know, the swarm yes. kind of time. So it's kind of kind of horror. It's basically like idle hands. He's a comic book artist whose whose hand gets possessed. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's sort of. Yeah, not again. Again, almost it's like genre horror, you know. It's sort of like it's like body shop horror. How uh, weird. Again, very weird. I don't know if again it was a job for hire. He just wanted to make sure, he, you know, maybe it's one of those things. If he does this, he gets his SAG card or something. You know, you some directors have to do sort of like random television episodes just so they can get their, uh-huh. you know, the the union card and stuff. Like that. So maybe it's something along those lines. I, I know he wasn't the writer of it. He was just the director of it. So um, I believe so. Um, yeah. So he done the hand. Uh, from that, didn't exactly blow him apart. Didn't blow the world. Um, I like so. After that, he went on to uh, writing again. So he wrote Conan the Barbarian. Fuck off. No, yeah, him and him and, and John Milius were the, the writers of Conan the Barbarian. I don't think they worked as a team. They both known what I know about John Milius from documentaries. He doesn't seem like a man who'd work well with another writer. And I don't yeah. think Oliver Stone would work well with another writer either. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was more one of them wrote it and another one punched up the dialogue and maybe went back and forth between the two of them. Um, but yeah, okay. so Conan the Barbarian, I think that did pay the bills for a while, obviously. Yeah. Um, sure. After that, he went on to Scarface. He wrote the screenplay for Scarpla- uh, Scarface, the, yes. the Palma version. He was, um, um, he was a co-cad around that time, wasn't he? Yes, I think, yeah, I think that... Yeah, that you, yeah, from what I remember, yeah. Yeah, um, so he came from that. And then after that, in 85, before he started directing stuff, he wrote Year of the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, I remember it, that film. The Deer Hunter film. Uh, well, directed by Michael Camino, who, wrote, who directed The Deer Hunter and starring, I think it was Mickey, yes. Mickey Rooney was the star, or Mickey Rourke? Mickey Rourke, Mickey, yeah. not Mickey Rooney, that'd be ridiculous. That'd um, be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a very different film. <laughs> um and it's weird. Other than that, other than those films, after after that, he only ever wrote two million, uh, two other films that he um, that he wrote but didn't uh, direct. And that was in '86. He wrote Eight Million Ways to Die, which I've never actually seen. So he wrote that in '86. And he also wrote in '96. He wrote Evita. Did he? Yeah, I mean, he must. What? I don't. I, I don't know. Must have been like maybe a co-writer, or but he was involved in Evita as well. That is so surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is he? I can see, I can almost see it's not exactly the same career. You can almost see parallels with his career and almost uh, like a guy like Aaron Sorkin's career a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, you know, like you know, sort of just doing some rant, like very sort of very good and very random sort of like writing jobs just to try and almost get the just to make sure your name's always on things, or even even maybe yes. even maybe a JJ Abrams to some extent as well. You know, have, take almost every job just to have a job and make sure you, you get your work out there, and then from that you can start building on your own your, your own career and start actually doing what you want yes. to do. And then what you want to do, you have your legacy. And then the things that you want to create are what what give you the legacy, I suppose. Yeah. And that, that's what you can run. Because there are so many things you've mentioned, so many of them I never would have already, I never would have associated with Oliver Stone. Yeah. But like, the fact you got an Oscar for Midnight Express, he's got the success of Conan the Barbarian, he's got the success of Scarface. You're the Dragon, I think, was a pretty decent success as well. So when it came to him yeah. going into a studio and, and wanting to direct, they might have been, obviously, it's the same as it is now. If you can show a bit of success in your background, then they're more likely to say yes to you, you know, picking up something. Um, so it's, yeah. from, it's from now he starts to direct the films that people know, really. So after the the, the non-success of The Seizure and The Hand, um, his first directing job, he actually done two films in 1986, the first one was Salvador. I, I confess, I know of Salvador, but I've never seen Salvador. I am much the same, actually. I've never actually seen Salvador. Um, I actually think I might even have it on DVD, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. Um, it's one of those <laughs> ones. It's I, um, supposedly the most stony of stone films, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think. Haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, um, but the one that got in the big press, obviously, the same year he directed Platoon. Yes. Um, so, not only did he, but he was nominated for both of those films as a writer, Um and for Platoon, who's nominated for director and Oscar, and it's nominated for a few other things as well. I think you'll probably be Platoon is the one you'll be remembered for. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, um, Platoon is. Um, uh, I, I watched it very recently again for, I don't, I don't know, tenth, eleventh time, whatever. Yeah. And it, it, none of its potency has been lost. It's so stark and visceral, and it, it, it really, it really hammers home the horror and the. The confusion and the and the the real kind of hypocrisy of war and the division within the ranks it kind of spins the, the idea of patriotism on its head yeah completely 
Um, and that's why it was the beginning of um, Stone, really. Uh, his, his whole identity, which is this cocksure fire brand who questions that very nature of patriotism and uh, results in a division between um, left and right. He's as left as you get, isn't he? Yeah, um, and it's, it does attack that sort of the, the and it's even it's only got more prevalent in today's world that the, the fetishism of towards the military. You know the idea of that you should, you know, I think films before that that were military based were all sort of supporting. Look, look how good our guys are. This was almost a film you said, you know, like our guys are monsters in the same way that exactly. the the, yeah. the enemy can be seen as monsters. And um, just as a film, you know, the, the the cast it's got is like just like beyond phenomenal. You know, you look at the you Isn't know you know like obviously Charlie Sheen. You've got Tom Berenger. You've got William Dafoe. You get Johnny Depp in it as well. You've got Forrest Whitaker. It's just it's a fantastic cast of people. Um, yeah. You know, in a film, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's a film that I don't watch often enough because it's, it's it's not an easy even now it's not an easy watch. It's tough. It is tough. Like I, I felt like my like heart had been ripped right out when when the first interactions with the locals. Yeah. Oh, it's just you can't even watch it. It's. And it feels it plays out so real. It's it's got that kind of raw documentary mm. feel about it, um, which makes it all the more harrowing. Um, it is a tough watch, but it's an important watch too, and it's still as good now as it was then. Yeah, I mean, compare it because it, probably around about the same time you know you would have had probably that Full Metal Jacket is probably around about the same time, wasn't it? R- roughly. Yeah, around about the same time. Yeah. Um, what was the Michael J. Fox one? Casualties of War was that around about the same time Casualties as? Of War. Yeah. Probably around mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's. I think this one holds up as the least 80s of those films. I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Full Metal Jacket, it, it, dated is the wrong word, but it was always dated to us because we didn't see it till later on. But it does feel more of a product of its time a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Certainly the second the half. The second half. Not, not, not the first half is fine, but it's yeah. the second half feels more a, product, yeah. a little bit more of a product of its, of its time. Whereas I think Agreed. Platoon, you, you'd, if you'd slap the sticker on the start of Platoon saying it's not Vietnam, it's Iraq, or it's Afghanistan, yeah. or it would still hold up as exactly the same film. I, I, to- I totally agree, dude. I think the reason for that probably is um, not so much... All of the elements of the fact that he's, he's dealing with um, issues that haven't really been dealt with on, on screen before in a, in a war sense, but as much as anything, stylistically, yeah. just the way it's shot, it's just so kind of choppy, uh, almost like handy cam at times. It feels like there's there's a chap there with his camera and he's he's with them in yeah. the jungle. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think that's why it, it's that rawness that kind of keeps it fresh. Yeah, I think also I think it's one, I think it's one of the first films that done that whole boot camp thing. Yes. You know that's now yeah. become everyone says oh before we filmed this war film we done boot camp for you know for two weeks to get into the mind of soldiers. I think that was a completely new idea until this you know I think it was Stone that, that sort of pioneered this idea of putting yeah. people through through this. Um, yeah, so it obviously Platoon, massive success, you know, won four Oscars, he got Best Picture, Best Director, and get nominated for as a writer, which is, I can't remember the last time someone was nominated for two films in the same year as writer. That's some going, isn't it? Yeah, I can't, I, I don't think it's ever happened before. Oh, uh, can't have done, yeah, because it's just some fantastic output, but he's a man who did not rest on his laurels, so 87, um, out came Wall Street, yeah. um, again, another Oscar winning, because Michael Douglas won it for, um, I'm going to say Best That's Supporting not... Actor, um, yeah. yeah, for this one, Um this is a film I, I go back to it more often than I should. I, I really enjoy Wall Street because it is a, it's a brilliant but horrible movie because um, you feel like everyone in the film is an absolute scumbag and you just feel, apart from Martin Sheen because he's a good guy, um, yeah. as he should be, but everything about this film, you, just, you hate everyone on screen but you feel them just continually compelling throughout the film and I like the way, I like how, you know, if he, if he lambasted America for um, glorifying its, its, Amer- its, its, its army in, the, in Platoon, this is him again, you know, lampooning and just destroying the fact that America at that time was, um, you know, in love with its financial people, you know, and it's again, he's just, he's just attacking what probably in 1980s America was seen as the heartland of America. Yeah, I, I don't think anything's changed. No, it's definitely not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's totally not. And films like Wolf of Wall Street and The Big Short shows yeah. that things haven't really changed. And no. if anything, Wall Street is... It, it becomes sad when it's held up as almost something to aspire to. I don't think that's what he meant it to be. No, he definitely, he meant... definitely didn't. People took it that way. Some people did. Yeah. Um, the, the wrong people did. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's the same, like you've said before, the people who co-opt Wolf of Wall Street yeah. and see Jordan Belfort as some kind of messiah. It's the same with Gordon Gekko. Um, they see him as a, uh, like a radical um, 
you know a, a leader of cool, someone someone to aspire to. When yeah. really it's anything but. It's a scathing takedown of how hollow our society has become. And I I think again that was such an important film because that was the first film that really tackled that and and still as I say so so fucking relevant now where yeah. greed is just all consuming I mean you, you could play Wall Street out in any kind of major major decade but 10 years later you know after this after yuppie culture you've got like the dot com boom it's yeah. just as applicable and then you know further on you've, you've got property booms and everything else and then you've got the era of Trump and everything like that yeah. nothing's nothing's changed at all it's still a great film Wall Street yeah Wall Street yeah holds up fantastically well and like I said and that's the thing history is always circular so because it's it, it, it does seem to come back around it, it does seem more and more relevant the more you watch it um, uh, on from that from Wall Street on to Top Radio you ever seen Top Radio? I have not seen Top no, Radio no again this is one missing from my thing um, I, I can't really talk much about it I, I know it, it does seem one of the ones that's between what when you look at the reports that comes after Top Radio this seems the one that's sandwiched in there sort of like a film that people don't really remember um, so it's one I'm going to have to look out it's Top Radio he was on a Streak then, so it makes you wonder if it's a hidden gem. Yeah, because he was at his peak, wasn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think this is this between '86 and probably '94. I was going to say maybe yeah '94, '95. Yeah. There's definitely a, a good streak because after '88 came '89, and it was born the fourth of July. Um, oh, again, yeah. writing nomination won for directing and editing won it as well. Um, would you say Tom Cruise's best performance? I'd say so. There's a few contenders. I'd say. Um, I'd like to see him back in a role like this. Yeah. To be honest, even though he is an action god, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, the, the, the man's got chops. He really has, and it's such an impassioned performance. Yeah. You're really on side. Philip Defoe also fantastic. Yep. Um, I, I I love this film. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I have no doubt it will hold up. Have no. you watched it recently? I've watched it not too long ago, but it's one of those films where again, it's it's not a happy watch. You know, it's it's, it's a it's a tough. No. You've got to no. be. Uh, that's probably the problem with a lot of Stones films you have to be in the right frame of mind to watch it if you're not in the right frame of mind it's it, it's going to be a real slog to get through because it's just so heavy hand not heavy handed but so, so heavy like subject matter yeah. you know there's there's, yeah. there's not a lot of comedy in it you know I think right now they've, they've, they've made a point of making almost like these sort of films they have a sort of a dry humour to them now you know when you think of something like The Big Short you know it's it's overtly funny I, at times I so, suppose that's where they differ yes in that sense He's a very serious man, Stone. Yeah. Um, whereas Mackay obviously comes from a comedy background. They're both making the same points. Yes. And they're using a variety of technical, oh. interesting, stylistic techniques to get there. But Mackay yeah. can give a bit more levity, I suppose, yeah. than, uh, than Stone, who's, yeah. um, who's, who's very old school and very, you know, these issues are important, fucking listen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, years ago, you can imagine all of still making a film like War Dogs, the one with... Um, Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. It'd be a very different film. But it'd be the same subject, but completely. There'd be no comedy in it. There'd be no sort of, you no. know, you know, the sub- absurdity of it. Even something like The Devil's Double. See the one that came out with about. Um, oh yeah, with yeah. Uh, who is it? Saddam Hussein's son, wasn't it? And it was like his body double, and it was like this guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Again, you could see Stone making a film like that, but it would it would lose all the decadence of it. It would lose all the it would lose the humour that they try to put into it to try and almost show them the nastiness of it. He would just play it out purely as nasty yeah. um, and show that. But Bond I, I think it's, a, I think it's a, again fantastic movie and it deserves every bit of credit it can get. Um, Agreed. I would. I've never, have you read the book? No, I haven't actually. No, I, I keep meaning to read the book as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's again one of my. Yeah, one of the again one of his great war movies. I mean, he's done you know probably. You probably, if you look at his career, probably done three or four of just phenomenal war films or films that the subject matter is war. It's not always actually about the war itself, but the, the aftermath um, yeah, he's, of it. He's a god at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, up next is ninety one with the doors. I, I have a weird soft spot for this film, but I know it's not great. Yeah. I, I'm a massive doors fan. So yeah. I was thinking about the reason I like the doors film is the same reason a lot of people like Bohemian Rhapsody now. You like the songs? I think I like the songs and I think the central character, the central performance is really good. Yes. And it reminds me, and he, and he nails it, Kilmer. Oh. But uh, I, I did watch it not long ago and I was like, oh God, this is so tropey and dated and just a bit naff and cliched. It's a bit fanboy, actually. And, fanboy. and long as well. It's long. It's a slog. Yeah, it's a slog. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. my overall memory of watching *Getting the Doors*. Was I remember when this is a long ass film, because um, yeah. I'm I'm really not a Doors fan. Like I'm just I'm not into 
the dollars. I'm, I'm, I'm just, they just don't do it for me, you know. Um, uh-huh. So again, you come to the point like you said with Bohemian Rhapsody. If you're watching a film where you don't really care about the band itself, then you're gonna have to do something really special yeah, to, ma- to make yeah. me want to watch this film. Um, so what I know about Jim Morrison was that he was a what is it saying almost he's a drunk pretending to be a poet. Um, yeah. And I don't think the doors tells me much more than what I already know about Jim Morrison. No, it didn't. It didn't delve. It didn't delve deeper. Yeah. And for someone who was such a forensic filmmaker up to that point it's a real it's his first proper misstep as a director isn't it mm, I, yeah, I agree i think it's it, it's just it felt it felt out of character you know i think almost he wanted to do something a little bit like lighter almost you know because and, and he went too far uh, he ended up mythologizing he played up to morrison's perception of his own self yeah um, so he ended up deifying him yeah almost, which uh, is rather than showing uh, showing him as a massively flawed character uh, yeah he was a bit too kind on him although what i will say is the great performance by val kilmer yeah uh, uh, Kevin Dillon is, is worth um, a mention as well. He's really good in it as well. Yeah, no, you can't fault Kilmer's performance. It's, it's probably Kilmer's best yeah. performance, I think, in any film. Yeah, um, probably. Definitely, probably his most in depth performance. He's one where you feel he's really taken on something. Um, but yeah. interesting, he says he's like he's been more sympathetic towards a character because there's another film he does in like about twenty years later where he's equally sympathetic towards a character who might have thought he could be a lot harsher on. Um, yeah, we'll yeah, get. I know what you're alluding to. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that one later. Um, next one up is not everyone's favorite, but it's my favorite Oliver Stone film, which is. Um, JFK. Yeah, it's. Well, I mean, you could talk about this film forever. Yes, it's, it means so much to you. Um, it, it's not quite up there for me, but it is an undeniable classic. Yeah, I don't watch it as much as I should, but it's every time I do watch it, I see something new. And the the, the biggest compliment I can give it is that it's so long and it doesn't feel long. Yeah, it doesn't outstay its welcome. No, it's crazy. I just. I, what like it brings everything to it. Almost, when I every time I watch all the Stone films, and I when I, I feel like you know sometimes you watch a film that's the most all like the most something of a director. You know, if you watch Ready Player One, it's the most Spielberg or Spielberg. If you watch, yeah, um, Hail Caesar is the most Cornbrals of Cornbrals. I think JFK boils everything that Stone can do down to what Stone can do. It, it throws everything he possibly can at this film to make it. You know. Using, yeah. the, using the archival footage, using the, like the, the the cut and editing, and then having the scenes where it's like just long, long, long drawn out speeches, just the the casting as well. You know, bringing people in just for like literally one scene, and you go, "That's holy shit! That's John Candy!" And like literally one yeah. scene, and then just appears again. You know, and then you have. You Mackay's know, stole that idea, hasn't he? Mackay's now. Yeah, he's done that. that. You know, he's just bringing these guys and just just to absolutely just build a world and just and. So well, it's utterly believable because every single person is bringing their absolute A game to the floor. Um, I think it's he's by far his best written film. I think it's an absolutely fantastic script. Oh, um, yeah, the, the script is so fucking good. The dialogue is incredible. Yeah, you know, and it, it's just a whistle stop tour of of sort of American history for that. So that, you know, from the end of the war until you know up until Kennedy was shot, you sort of you see the chaos that that world was in at that point. I mean, it's probably the world now is not much different, but it just feels that felt yeah. even more important at that point you know cause it, was, it, was, yeah. it was so much so much of everything was happening you know, if it was it was civil rights it was you know the rights of um, immigrants as well as the rights of you know the idea that Kennedy was a Catholic in charge of the, of the presidency you had obviously every revolution going on all over the world it felt like it just it, it, everything was happening in this sort of like five year time span that yeah. probably only by looking back on it you can actually see and try and make any sort of sense of it and it ultimately doesn't make any sense you know that every every theory yeah. they bring out is sort of just becomes more and more diluted and crazy but yes. almost it does make sense because the only way you can actually get away with something like what they did is to be as fucked up and as crazy as as, as they make it out to be do you do you think that this film also has greater impact because of the age we were when we saw it and that you're kind of so you're, you're young well i was i don't know um, early teens i think yeah uh, and it you're at that kind of age where you're a sponge and your beliefs are just the lining. Yes, so absolutely, yes. This is one of those films that really kind of turns you on politically. You know, you just go, oh, wow. And then you end up down a hole of looking into history and, uh, and, and just kind of engage in the same way you do when you first fall in love with a band. And yeah. You end up down a spiral. So it felt like it really kind of woke me up politically, I suppose. I remember that feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was the same for myself. Um, JFK was the first Stone film that I saw, and it's what made me watch Platoon and me Wall too. Street and Born the Fourth of July and all yeah. those ones and everything else. So it's absolutely the film. It's it, Bill Hicks as well. Yeah. Oh, and that's something that made it even cooler because I remember li- I was listening to Bill Hicks when I was just after seeing JFK, and in the f- and then most of his stands up, Bill Hicks references the JFK movie. You know, he references the JFK yeah. assassination. So it became he this does. sort of, even though the the cultural touchstone was like ten years before I was watching it, it still felt relevant yeah. to me. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah. So 
it's Costner as well. You know, it's, it's probably yeah. the only, he's the only guy who can play that role of being completely and utterly. It's almost almost like an American icon, sort of this good old boy. But playing it again, but he does so well, playing it so earnestly and so perfectly that you don't feel it's cliched or it's you know over the top or it is flag waving. No. It feels authentic. And yeah. Real. It's, it's yeah. It's it, it's a great performance. Yeah. You say it's Costner's best. Though? Costner's best a hard one to judge because Costner's done that some is a hard one. Yeah. Because Costner's done stuff like Bill Durham, which I think Bill Durham's a phenomenal performance. Yeah, it is. But yeah. it's a, it's entirely opposite of what this is. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you know, it's, it, you can't really judge it, but it's. I think it's certainly his most engaging performance. I think, um, but it's hard to judge his best performance because he has he has done a lot of good work, Costner. Maybe maybe we'll do a, a Costner special. That would be a good one to do. Yes, because I'm yeah, a big fan okay. of Costner. Um, after that, I think might, what might be his last war movie, which is Heaven and Earth. Is that his last proper war movie? It's part of that trilogy, isn't it? The yeah. Vietnam trilogy. Yeah. Um, I watched this about a week or so ago in preparation um, for this. Might be longer. Um, and the first time in a long time. It's only the second time I've ever watched it. Yep. And it is fucking bleak, man. Yeah, that's the one with awesome. James Woods, isn't it? James Woods in this one? Yes. Uh, or am no, I thinking... It's, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. No, James Woods is in Salvador, isn't he? He's in Salvador, James Woods. Yes, he may... Did he win an Oscar for Salvador? I don't know. I think uh, he won. Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones is in... Heaven and Earth, yes. Um, and it's just fucking brutal. I think it was a bit of a flop. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I... It's a... It's a very good piece of writing. It's beautifully shot, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the location uh, and cinematography is, is pretty stunning. That, so in that sense, it's quite a departure for Stone. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not yeah, it's not quite Malick esque when it's in its, but it's it's it touches on it's vague, yeah, it's vaguely getting towards that point of like focusing on like, you know a leaf for you know longer than is necessary and you know watching the sunrise and, and big landscapes. It, it's and even Kurosawa to an extent, but it's it's definitely not his frenetic stuff you know it's a complete compared to JFK and the doors where I think the average shot time is about you know four seconds in those films yeah. this is definitely yeah. not you know Heaven Earth is definitely a departure from that it is uh, the best thing about the film is definitely the lead actress who is absolutely incredible yeah uh, I can't remember her name sadly but she is uh, properly incredible yeah um, I think she died in quite tragic circumstances in real life but no she was she was great and it, it's it's too long it's about 40 minutes too long yeah um, it does drag at times He's trying to be more introspective, and it doesn't necessarily suit him because he he's so good when he's he's, he's a writer more than a director, really, isn't he? Yeah, I think um, he, he almost he almost directs because he doesn't trust anyone else to tell the story he wants to tell. Yeah, that's exactly it. You that's know, but right. he, he sees himself more more as a writer, and then he'll and, the, and that's just the way of getting his story across. Um, which is, I think, a yeah. lot of writers are, a lot of writer directors are like that. They are they would much rather write a thing and then walk away from it, but they know if they give it to someone else, they'll it's not going to be the vision they had. Yeah, yeah. and and, they'll, and it won't be there. You know, it won't be theirs at that point. So I think that's it's almost directed out of fear of you know uh-huh. losing authorship of it in some way um, yeah. which brings on nicely actually through the film in 94 which was Natural Born Killers well this kind of contradicts what I just said because yeah. this uh, from a director's perspective is pretty incredible he is throwing everything at it it's the most when you talk about the comparisons of Adam McKay I I think this is the one that really I haven't seen Vice yet but in terms of Big Short and those kind of yeah interesting little techniques and everything else he's throwing at it it's the one that really throws like everything in the, in the kitchen sink I, I really like natural born killers i think it's it was quite maligned at the time um I, 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 not that long ago we watched it a few years ago i i thought it was a really interesting satire on the media and and loads of cool things not everything works no but i i i've got a lot of time for natural born killers I you, like it. you can almost see where people like charlie brooker get ideas from to watch natural born killers you know it's it's not oh yeah it's not a kick in yeah, the ass really. off of off of black mirror stuff you know it's not it's not that far off that i think that's just that's a really good comparison um in that sense it, it's it's very very clever uh the way it just dissects the, the nature of the media um i think you've got really strong performances it's cool to see the um, i remember robert downey jr's in it isn't he and yeah juliette lewis and woody harrelson um playing this kind of bonnie and clyde incendiary wild couple it's um it, it's very very clever not everything works um Tarantino, Tarantino wrote it, didn't he? He wrote, wrote this, the original script. This, the original, I think. Um, I think. I'm sure Stone done some work on it um, to to make it his own. I think. Right. I think Tarantino only gets a story credit on it, possibly. Uh, okay. So okay. that was '94. So that's just as, that's just before Reservoir Dogs. Wow. Yeah. Is it or just after Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs was '92. '92, maybe. Yeah, because he, he, he won the Oscar in '94, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. 
Tarantino won wow. Oscar '94 for Pulp Fiction, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it been like probably it may have been a scripted, maybe one of those ones where after the after the Reservoir Dogs hits, he managed to sell a script that um, you know people were probably the one who was grappling for his work. Um, yeah. In the same way, so Dust Till Dawn and things like that. You know, it's one of those ones. Um, I, I confess I've not seen Natural One Killers in a long, long time. I remember it being the only thing I remember Natural One Killers a lot is it how it was seen almost like quite like a, almost a video nasty. It was one of those films that you had to sort of almost. Yeah. You couldn't get it without, you know, some sort of underhand, you know, way of finding it, you know, because I don't get much of a cinema release. Obviously, we were, and I was just way too young to be watching it in this in the cinema. But yeah. if, even when I was watching these films, I was maybe about 12, 13, 14, You still had to yeah. sort of find it through. People were happy to give you stuff like Robocop and Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, but for some reason, Natural Born Killers was the film you people were always like sort of giving you to you a little bit, you know, shyly. Uh-huh. I think maybe that's reputation. You know, and rather yeah, than so. rather content, it's pretty tame now. I think. Yeah, totally. and even compared to yeah. stuff, even compared to its peers, like you know, like you know, Reservoir Dogs or or something like that, it's it's pretty tame in comparison to them. I think so. Yeah, yeah. you know, Reservoir Dogs just you know it ends in a hail of blood. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> you know, um. So yeah, but I I really I've enjoyed that one. I just want to have to go back and watch again and sort of re, re yeah. you know, re-enjoying. I'm thinking the same. I'm always worried with films that come out in the 90s because I feel the 90s films always date a lot worse than anything else. I think you're probably right, you know, because there was a, there was a it was the era of irony, so yeah. those things don't play out too well with the passing of time, I guess. I think also, I think the reason why I, I I also I remember the 90s, so I can recall it. So when things <laughs> I can I know how things have changed. Whereas if I watch something from the 70s, I don't know what the 70s were like, so it's always looked dated to me. Yes, yeah, that's interesting. That's a good comparison. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's, sort of, it's odd. Can I remember watching? I watched a Lifeless Ordinary recently, um, oh, yeah. and I loved that film when I first saw. It. I thought it was like, I, for some reason, that film really connected. I really dug that film in a big bad way, and I watched it recently. I'm going, oh, this is it feels so. It's the most nineties of nineties movies. Yeah, you know, of yeah. that, it, it felt you could it's, you could put it in a time capsule. Of, this is what the nineties was, and out pops a Lifeless Ordinary. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah so, so. and I, I, I worry that Natural One Kills might fall into that sort of um, that sort of world. Could be right. Um, mm. Next up, his second biography, I think it is. Are we going to call? Yeah, the Doors of JFK is not a biography, but, but the Doors is definitely a biography. Uh, Ninety five was Nixon. Yeah, indeed. Again, again, a long movie, <laughs> like a really long yeah, film. Um, it is a long film. And again, I, I get this is see when when he attaches himself to things where you think, oh my god, this is Oliver Stone attaching himself to one of the most re- re- like sort of hated figures of American history, also one of the most beloved, depending on what side of the fence you're on. Um, but if you're on Oliver Stone's side, you think, imagine that his portrayal of Nixon will be a brutal version of it, and it's it's he's not really brutal enough. It's not. No, and that this comes up later again. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is interesting, and, and I, I respect him, but he also he confound he loves to confound expectations. Yeah, that's that's exactly what he's trying to do. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and so he tries to understand the man, which is which is very interesting from a character study perspective. But you want him to be the firebrand, fully charged, political. You know, uh, just wanting to, to this this incendiary character Nixon, so divisive. Yeah. Perfect character for for his film maker equivalent almost Oliver Stone to dissect and to show us portray him on screen and show what the, the brutality of him and the the, the evil cunning but yeah. you just come away going oh Nixon seems like a nice guy you know, yeah just, it's almost like you yeah, said he's trying to subvert it so much that he says if he was like if he showed Nixon to be the monster that we all think and know he is if people come away going well all of his Oliver Stone's going to show him like that Oliver Stone's left leaning Oliver Stone's always going yeah. to hate him so he's trying to almost show a humanity to him that will make people go, oh my god, he was a monster because he's actually a human, but it, it didn't, I don't think it feel, fully no. comes off like that. And in fairness, that's one of the things I would push towards Vice as well, by trying to put some of the um, really? the humanity okay. into Cheney, he struggled to understand, it makes it, I wouldn't say, it's, it's less forgiving of Cheney, I would say, in the, in the film, it, it's, it's still not coming out and Cheney's a good guy, but it has a similar kind of feel to it a little bit, like they're trying to find a human nature by by just showing a few things that make him sort of make him feel more real in a way, um, yeah. And and probably if if he did make if he did make like say make the Nixon film and all it was was him just you know showing Nixon to be an absolute crazy bastard, it would probably people would get very it would have a very limited audience. Yeah, it would, and it would probably get quite tiresome and quite um, one dimensional quite yeah. early. It probably has. He didn't go far far enough. I don't think. Yeah, it become more of just a caricature of what you already know. It's almost like a spitting image. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, Hopkins point. is really good. Yeah, Hopkins, Hopkins is excellent, is really and it's, it's a very good cast again. But um, 
yeah, just it's one of those films. It's it's not one of the ones I'm going to watch in a rush. Um, no. But it's I would a slap rather than a gut punch, isn't it? You know? Yeah, but I would say all these three films that he's done about historical figures, like historical leaders, not historical, like, like biopics. I would say, sorry, it's one I probably watch again. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not a fan of the Doors, um, so I probably wouldn't watch that one again. So this is probably one I'd watch um, more often than anything else. Um, 97 is a film called U-Turn which he was directed only didn't write this one uh, have you seen U-Turn? I haven't uh, that's the Sean Penn one isn't yes it? I remember it's it being a very by the numbers thriller like it, it didn't feel all stony at all it felt like this is one I don't know if it was part of the deal of making Nixon or if it was just something he wanted to do he used to fill some time but it didn't feel like it was it was an all the stone movie you could have had it almost feels a bit like a, an early Fincher movie to an extent. Oh, wow. Or even... It's not, it's not even good enough to be a Fincher film. It's, it's, I'm trying to think of, a, of a, a comparison. It's just... It's the kind of film you'd have of a, of a guy like Fincher who would make like a, his second film. You go, oh, that guy's got potential. I'm interested, yeah. I'm interested to see what he does next. And you'd hopefully... Rather, rather than, 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 rather than a film... It seems a strange choice, yeah. doesn't it? Rather than being something like he's, you know, 10... 12th movie into his career, it felt very out of place. It, it did feel like an early movie as opposed to a sort of, you know, a film middle middle career movie. Um, on from that, 1999, which is, I, I was going to say, you said the door was your guilty favourite. This is my guilty favourite that no one else likes, but I absolutely love, is any given Sunday. Oh, I, I love any given Sunday. Yeah. You know, um, we were talking about it today at work, believe it or not. Because um, of the Super Bowl's and, uh, coming up, obviously. There's, there's another. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's another another chap who. Big, big fan of it. We were just talking about how amazing the cast is, uh, how huge it is. Yeah, cast is massive. Uh, <laughs> I was remembering like Cameron Diaz and James Woods and uh, John C. McGinley's back with Oliver Stone as well, which is nice. Yep. I, I really like it. Yeah. I love the way it's directed. It's so, it's so, it's so visceral. It feels like an Oliver Stone film. It feels like an Oliver Stone film, and it's also it captures the way that people want football to be. You know. They strip out the advertising, they strip out the you know the waiting around for TV commercials. They just show the game as like just this brutal, this brutality of the game, you know. And yeah. it it comes it doesn't come it comes across to me as just a really entertaining movie. I love Cameron Diaz in it because she goes toe to toe with Pacino and in, in more than a few, in like at least half a dozen scenes. And yeah, yeah. you remember you forget how good an actress Cameron Diaz can be because she does not look out of place going against Pacino. One of the greats. Yeah. yeah. This is the film where Pacino starts doing his shouty talky thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. He starts. Uh, he starts. Become Pacino, he starts yeah. become character. Not all the time. There is moments in it when he is when he's sitting at the bar when he's talking to the the, the prostitute as well. Um, yes. And in the scenes he shares with with Diaz as well, when he isn't, he is still play, he is still Pacino, the, the actor. You know, Pacino can still and and can be. Um, and I, I I really like those scenes with the two of them. Um, I like that. I like the world build because obviously the NFL did not want anything to do with this film. They refused to even acknowledge it. So all the t- he had to like basically build his world, you know, the wow. whole the whole world from the like from the ground up, all new teams, stadiums, and just bring, and it brings a whole mythology to it that, that you kind of capture quite early on. Uh-huh. You know, because you, you get the idea this team were once a, a great team who have fallen on hard times, and they they, they get that across very simply. You know, um, also Charlton Heston turns up in this film for literally two minutes. Yeah, Charlton Heston's in it. Yeah, it's just just a, so many just, just a bizarre like just everybody's in it. You know, Jamie Foxx is probably one of his early early movies as well. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, probably he was probably still Jamie Foxx a comedian at that point. Probably Matthew Medine. Medine's in it as well. Um, yeah, it's just it's a fantastically big, sp- yeah. like sprawling cast. Um, it's, a, it's such an adrenaline fueled. Oh yeah, hours. and yeah, it's a complete. Boy movie, it's a, it's a, it's like dripping oh, with yeah. testosterone from like start to finish. You know, there's, there's you know, um, but I I have a guilt. I, I, I enjoy it a lot. It's it's. Is the, the review? Is it not? Is it quite? Um, are the reviews quite negative towards any given something? I like, think the view, I, I think the views are, are quite negative. People just people in this country just didn't get it, obviously, because people in this country don't get American football, which is fair enough. I, I get that. So they're always going to be. Tongue. I don't I don't like American football. For me, it was just it was so it was everything that something about. American sports and boxing just lend themselves to film. I'm a soccer fan, but yeah. it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work no. at all on film, and it never has. I absolutely agree. About it, the, the electric atmosphere, um, I, I don't know. There's just something that really works, and, and 
it's it's a football film, but it isn't really a football film. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's it's just a morality tale of, of and it's, it's yes. and you can always you can always re, you can recast it as a war movie. You know, it's battle, it's pitching battle against battle. It's, it's you know, yeah. young it's young commander. You know, against his upstart. You know, it's on, it's it's a, it's a it's a king getting challenged for his throne. You know, it, it's it's Shakespearean. It, it, it's base it level. Is. Um, totally only right. rather than taking place on a field of battle, it's taking place on a on a, a, a an actual tough pitch. That's all it is. Um, and I think it even I starts. With, it starts with a, with a, a quote about war. It starts with a quote about war as well. You know, is it only when you're lying in a field of battle, de- destroyed and humiliated, can you fi- finally taste the pure victory or something? Like that? I can't remember the exact quote, but it's, you know, it starts off with something along those lines. You know, so he's yeah. pitching it as a war movie, but it just happens to be a, a sports war movie. Great film. It's a great film. Um, I don't think sports. I don't think American football fans like it. They don't. Yeah, from what I've every American football fan who I've who I've known watches it and doesn't like it, then they're not huge fans of it. They'd much rather watch something like The Longest Yard or The Replacements, you know, something. Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans, something like that. Yeah, um, but I dig it. I think, I think it's a cracking movie. I think it's a really, it's a really, it's a, and it's also it's a fun movie you're watching. It's it's. Yeah, it is. It there's is. not a lot of depth to it, you know. Is that the only fun Stone film? Yeah, it's it's a fun movie, and it actually has a bit of comedy in it as well, and it's just it. it that's what I think it's, it's it's got a much lighter touch to it because because ultimately you're dealing with sport you can't be serious about sport it's just it's simply it's just sport you know no yeah. one no one dies over no one should die over it anyway um no. so it, it's sure. interesting one Colombian football I love um, football or Turkish last... football yeah yeah is that his last great film or excellent film I would say yes mm, I can't think of no I haven't got I haven't got filmography. Should get yeah. in front of me, but yeah. I'm enjoying the surprise from yourself. Yeah. Uh, I can't think. Yeah. yeah. After this, he would come back. It took him four years to come back after this. I think I think him, <laughs> I think him trying to dig him a bit of a kicking. Was his first documentary called Commandant, um, all about Fidel Castro? Uh, I haven't seen it actually. And very, it's very good documentary. Um, it is unfortunately an insanely biased documentary. Well, he loves the, he loves Fidel though, doesn't he? He does, and from the left. Yeah, he's a proper lefty. He is a proper, proper lefty. Um, and because of that, it it lacks any sort of subtlety to it. Yeah. You know, he ignores the fact that, you know, Castro's people live in poverty just because they've got a great medical yeah. system. You know, he, he doesn't really, he doesn't give everything. You know, he, he, he's, he's very much in love with Castro the man. He likes the idea that Castro stood against, what is it, six or seven American presidents, something like that. Yeah. yeah he likes the idea that he stood as a face of defiance against the imperial you know, Imperial America. Um, as, as a sort of historical marker, it's interesting because obviously it's, 19, it's 2003, so at that point, Castro wasn't long for the world. You know, he was, yeah. he was getting, on. getting on a bit. So, interesting historical uh, marker, but to me, it's, it, it was far too one-sided to be of any real sort of historical value. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is where I start to have problems with his politics um, <laughs> when he starts endorsing Chavez from Venezuela and yeah. Castro from Cuba. Obviously, he is extreme left, um, but I, I, I should check that out because I, I would be intriguing. I think you, I think you would get something from it. Um, I think you probably feel much the same way I do towards it at times. Um, but yeah, I'm the same. Like when he gets this far left, he, he sort of he loses sight of the point of his leftist views. It was to challenge the. The centre, yeah. or your challenge the right. He's so far left that he becomes almost a parody of himself a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But people, and, it's, and it, it's the same problem yeah. Michael Moore's got as well, to a great degree. You know, you, you, yeah, you, yeah, you just you, you totally. swing so far to that side, um, that you, people just almost the left will still love you because oh my god, you're poking fun. But anyone who who can actually change their mind off doesn't bother watching you because they they don't want it to be rammed down their throat quite as intensely as as they do it. You know. um, there's another. I thought there was a different Fidel documentary that he did. Um, maybe maybe he's named something different. Oh, he did. He's got one later on. Uh, we'll get to. I don't know if it's particularly about Fidel, but we'll, we'll get to another uh, later okay. on. Um, after Commandant in 2004 was his probably his biggest box office bomb. Oh, um, uh, the one with Orlando Bloom. Oh no, Colin Farrell. Yes, Alexander. 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 Yeah. Um, which. Terrible. It is a terrible cinematic movie. I don't disagree with you. If you get a chance to ever watch the director's cut, oh really? It's a it's right. actually a genuinely very good film. Is it? 
Yes. That's interesting. It's a gen- it's really? a, yeah, no, genuinely, it's 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 a, it's a much different film as well. It, it, it moves at a different pace. It, things make more sense in the film, and there's and there's a lot more depth to the characters. But I think from from what I've heard, he turned in his two and a half hour cut. They the studio wanted a, a summer blockbuster, so they cut it down to like an hour forty. At which point you're losing a shit ton of you know story and context, and it just comes across as sort of muddled and you know, and it comes across as very much I mean, it's sliced and diced by the editor. Ridley Scott had one out similar, I think, I mean, not that long after, I think it was called Kingdom of Heaven. That's where I'm getting muddled with uh, Bloom, I think. Yeah, think, um, that's from yeah, the Bloom, yeah, and same idea, that film has got, a, it's not a great movie, but the director's cut is actually a, a well-done film, just it's, it was, you can, you can see, definitely see studio involvement. Right, that's, yeah. that's interesting, I'll, I'll seek that out then. Yeah, that's... definitely trying to find, it's definitely worth it, 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 it even just one watch to, to, to compare, you know, because I remember hating it when I first saw it, I remember thinking, I thought it was an absolutely, like, atrociously bad movie, and yeah. I was, at that point, this is 2004, so this is, I was like 19 at this time, so, no, yeah. it would have been 19? Yeah, but 19, yeah. So I was excited to see Stone films. I, I mean, this was he was the guy I loved yes. at this point in time. So, but this was a this was a mess. Um, O Six World Trade Center. I watched that at the cinema, believe it or not. I, I saw it at the cinema as well. Yeah, actually, yes. Um, it's all right. It's uh, a bit saccharine. Yes. Uh, um, which is very unlike him. It's very sentimental. Ah. Uh-huh. It's like a. It, it doesn't feel like a Stone film in that sense. It feels like a. Like a companion to Paul Haggis's Crash or something yeah. like that. It's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, and is it Michael Pena as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah weirdly enough, Pena, who's in um, Crash as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, again, it might suffer from the Nixon effect, where he was the first director who really... He, I think this is the first one that tackles the 9-11 disaster sort of head-on. Yeah. There have been a few films that floated around that maybe had it sort of tangentially in the background. You know, I think maybe... Is it extremely close and, and extremely dangerous and incredibly close one with Tom Hanks? I think Jesus, yeah. that might have the dealt. Right I think that might have dealt with it sort of. In the, I don't know if that came first or, or this came first, but it dealt with it in the background of it. United ninety three as well. I think, I think that came after as well. It's got to be after, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, what about the one, the guy you like? Um, well, not the one. The one, the, the Adam Sandler film that we, we both ran over me. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that film. That was. That was 9-11, yeah. wasn't it? And that was, I can't it remember was, that. Yeah. Again, but 9-11 Directly, was, yeah. but 9/11 was not the main point of those films, but in this one, 9-11 is sort of, the, it's a central point. And I think yes. he was almost, again, trying to get away from the idea of, like, I'm going to attack America for being, you know, using this as sort of, to use it to, to flex their imperial muscles. And also, I think he was conscious not to make it sort of, you know, disaster porn a little bit, because I think... Yeah. You could have done it that way, you know. You could have made it to the point where it was like you're, you're almost watching to try and to see this thing again. But everyone had seen it, you know. We didn't need to see it again. No. So you, it, it was only like five years after or something. Yeah. It? So, yeah. And we all watched um, the towers come down. I mean, everyone like, was still. Every, the thing is, I think it senses that even Oliver Stone, like this, almost anti-jingoist, jingoist, um, anti-establishment filmmaker. Even he was swept up in the. He sensed emotion. the mood. He sensed yeah. the mood. It's, it's almost like it reminds me of the George Carlin stand up special that he done, I think, just after 9 11. And he comes out and he, oh, start, well. and he starts talking and saying, for the time being, I've you've got to work with people you hate, and for now I'm working with the US government. You know, right. and, and it's yeah. the idea of George Carlin sort of supporting the US government is utterly insane. You know, yeah. It he, is. He, yeah. <laughs> You know, and he's, he's supporting Giuliani and stuff like that, and you feel like, oh my God, it's that George Carlin doing that, you know? So I think it, it, he yeah. is, again, he's a guy you think would be, the, well, the he's always been the, the leftist voice of dissent. And yeah. like you said, I think almost much the same as World Trade Center, I think um, Stone was, even he was caught up in that real sense of America. And, so. and he felt almost scared to, to attack he it. Push it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he gave us maybe wanted yeah but didn't necessarily need yeah um, um and i think also maybe after the failure of alexander he was almost scared to 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 do something that would be too far to the left that people wouldn't go and see it. he needed a hit in some way yes you know yeah and i think it did, quite well, it? It did quite well i think it's much like the same like you know all the clint eastwood films stuff like you know american sniper and things like this these sort of set of films they do play in the heartland you know they and yeah. they will get an audience in that respect um, so that was 2006. 2008 followed up with W. Yeah. 
which was the first film about a president who was still in office at the time of releasing. Which is the most interesting thing about the film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a real... It's so soft. A, a, an absolute yeah. misfire. Like a complete misfire. It just... It's complete in every way. There are some, there are some interesting flashbacks. Yeah. When you start to think what made, what made the man. And you oh. don't get enough of that. Like, you know, his alcoholism and, and everything else. And when he's in college and his his difficult relationship with his father, who's obviously a brilliant intellect. Yeah. And he was just like, he was, def- he was definitely the, the lesser thought of son. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there, there isn't enough, you know, it's it's too light. It's too light. It's, it's a total missed opportunity. Although yeah. Brolin's quite good. Brolin, no problem. Brolin, I think Brolin gives a performance. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, and he's he's given everything he can for it, but just again, it just felt very bland. It did. It and was just, bland. If, it's totally anodyne. Ah, uh, and I think again, people went into expecting Stone to somehow because the guy at probably two thousand eight, W was at his most hated. You know, pe- people just tested this guy. You know, and yeah. rightly so, he'd done some fucking horrendous things in office. But yeah, and I know you was ready to see yeah. that, and and he just didn't want to show that. He wanted to show something else. It's that contrary nature of Stone again, isn't yeah. it? I won't give you what you want, you bastards. Yeah, I won't give you what you want, I'll give you something else and you can fill in the blanks yourself, but the audience maybe didn't want to fill in the blanks, they wanted something more. The thing is, if, if you're not going to lambast him, because at the time, you know, everyone was lambasting him and, and furious with him, um, then at least go delve deeper into what made the man. Yeah. Give us that film, give us that uh, film, I, I don't like that film. Yeah. You know, um, also, why make it then at that point? You know, because yeah, the, 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 it's, it's completely not necessary. It seems, it's like making a film about Trump now, like, doesn't need to be done. Like, no, it's it's oversaturated as it is. Oh, know? if you're gonna make a, if you're gonna make a film about Trump now, you make a Trump film about Trump back in the seventies and eighties. You don't make them about exactly. him in office. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, up next was two thousand nine South of the Border. Uh, I've not seen that. Is that the Chavez one? No. No. It's well, just sort of him travelling through South America. And sort of the regimes there. Interesting documentary. Again, it's it's very. This is if he was annoyed by himself not going far enough with W. He sort of he's he's swinging fully left on this one. You know, he's trying to to show he is still the leftist Oliver Stone that he always was. Um, yeah. But definitely, it's less interesting than the Commandant one, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Um. Up next feature film was 2010 Wall Street. Mine never sleeps. Yeah. What do you make of this film? I wasn't a fan. No. I get no, I, I get why you made it because I think 2010 was just coming off the back of the financial crash. Financial crash. Mm. Again, it felt too soon. There wasn't it did. there wasn't enough distance to understand what had happened, why it happened, and where it happened. You know, something like yeah. again we've mentioned it a half dozen times on this on this episode, but the big short was out what six years later. It felt like it had there was a there was a certain amount of time had passed, not enough time probably, but. Enough time yeah. to at least get some sort of perspective on what was going on. To make any sense of it. Yeah, yeah. this didn't seem to get any sense of it. it. It definitely is less... I think no one was watching this film thinking that Gordon Gick was a hero in any way, and no one was watching this film thinking, you know, what they did was good. But again, it felt very unnecessary. Yeah, it did. Um, and I think yeah, and I think yeah. also calling it Wall Street as well, it just felt, you, didn't, you just make a film about the financial crash, but it, it, Wall, the Wall Street tag on it felt almost like you know, market shoehorned in. Yeah, marketing, you know, just let's try and get somebody to watch this film who you know, who might not normally watch it, we'll call it yeah. Wall Street. It's brand recognition almost and the fact you know, that's that's what it just it just felt again very unnecessary. It just didn't feel like it, it, it he didn't really attack it the way you wanted to attack it. And if he'd and if he'd maybe just taken a deep breath and, and waited it might have been a better film. Probably. Or if he did just a separate film entirely, not tagging it onto Gecko and yeah. Blood. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, that, and the fact that Charlie Sheen's in it for, what, about 10 seconds? Yeah, like, that was annoying. You yeah. Know, um, yeah, that, that was frustrating. Just meets him at that dinner party, and then that's pretty much it. That's it, yeah. yeah. And also, I thought strange that, it was strange, sorry, it felt like it was a time when it was, what's his name, the, the young kid, and that's his name, I can't remember right now. Le Boeuf was Le... being touted as the next yeah, it, it, so, yeah, he seemed to be in everything at that point. You know, he was, he was, he was, yeah. he was in Indiana Jones, he was in this, he was in Transformers. It always felt like, like this oversaturation of all things Le Boeuf. 
Um, yeah. and I think that might cause a bit of back risk. I think I don't even know if I've got this one on DVD. Actually, it's one of the few stone ones I actually don't have on 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 DVD. And I think that speaks sort of volumes. Kind, of kind of volumes of it because I pretty much have all like his entire catalogue apart from this. It's long as well. It's another one that's really long, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it felt long. It's a chunky film. And again, it's a film I have no interest in going back to watch. No, never. Yeah. I I watched it in the cinema as well. I think I saw it in the cinema as well, actually. (laughs) I think think everything from Alexander Down I definitely saw in the cinema. Um, Up next is one 2012 Savages. Yeah, I watched that really recently because it passed me by at the time. Yep. And I thought, this is going to be cool, what a cast. Yep. And it sounds quite different and it was god-awful. It's horrendous. It really is. It's absolutely awful. It's one of the... F- it's, there's a few films I've walked out of, not walked out, like, I didn't walk out of it, but I finished the film, walked away and felt angry and annoyed that I spent my time watching it. Yeah. And this is one of the John, few... John Travolta, who is a good actor, is so bad in this film. Yeah. I can't... I just can't convey. It's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Yeah. The whole thing feels like it's a hammy B movie. Yeah. It's just, I don't understand. It's so naff. I feel like it's stone trolling us. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the fuck it is. I, I, it's so weird. It was a terrible film. Yeah, really, really I, I felt badly miscast as well. Because the kid in it from uh, Varsity Blues, who's, no, yeah, not Varsity Blues. Oh, uh, Friday Night. Friday, Friday Night Lights, yeah. And the TV show, the guy who plays Tim Riggins in that, he's also in John Carter, whose name I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, he's a he's a good actor. He's just he's oh, yeah. he's young. He's Taylor badly. Someone. Taylor Kitsch. That's the man. That's yeah. man. Yeah, he seems badly miscast in this film. Yeah, it's um, not good. Is Blake Lively in it as well? If I remember rightly. Blake Lively's in it. You got your man from uh, Kickass. He's in it as well. Yeah, just, they, they all just seem totally out of depth, and they just don't seem to know what to do. And I don't know if that's direction or if it's the script wasn't there. What it is, but it just. It, I don't it, know. I, I honestly, I, I've. I'm trying to think of other films by mainstream directors that I've felt angry watching while I was watching it. Um, yeah. This is one. Spring Breakers. I got a bit angry watching that one. I didn't. I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Similar film. It felt almost yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I just didn't dig Savages at all, and I thought it was a really weak story. Yeah, it was it was very very thin. I don't really know what the point of it was. Normally, there's a point to Stone's films, even if they're not always executed at their best. There's yeah. an overarching message he's trying to convey. I don't know what that was in Savages, yeah. to be fair. Um, on from that, another documentary, 2014, was Me Amigo Hugo. So that's the one you're thinking about about um, yes, Hugo yeah. Chavez. Um, much. I, I think you've seen this one, yeah. Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. Again, uh, if you've yeah. seen this one, you can get where the commandant one is. This one is again, it's it's too much love towards a fucking dictator, to be honest. And that that yeah, that, that totally. Gets you. Uh, and you look at the the state of Venezuela now, and it's oh. just what, what planet are you on, Oliver? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a tyrannical despot. Come on. Yeah, he's he's not a nice man. He's not a good man. No. no. Um, and yeah, it just I get trying to bring some sort of to make him more. Maybe try to show them off to the, to the wider media, like particularly in America, or people who just know the name and all they hear, all they really hear, people Chavez, maybe their president talking about him, saying yes. So trying to bring some more bones and meat to the character, but uh-huh. when you flat out just skew the, the landscape of it to make him look like some some returning hero in, in some sort of glorious leader, it comes across yeah. almost it comes across as propaganda essentially, and it felt yeah like, that undermines everything of about Stone as well. Yeah, it just. It, it's really from the same man who made Platoon, who's, who's so on the money and so on the nose, oh. like journalistic forensic detail, oh. and saying really difficult truths. Now, like you say, just he's like a puppet. Oh. He's like an angry man who's rallying against the what he would deem the, the establishment. Yeah. When all he's doing is propagating um, uh, a, a despicable, uh, you know, tyranny, like, and it's just it's it's very disappointing actually. Yeah. Um, final film, the one that he's done most recently, 2016, uh, was Snowden. Yeah, Snowden. Um, there were two films out around the same time, weren't there? There was... The Cumberbatch one as well, wasn't there? Was that there wasn't Snowden, that was about... Oh, no. That was about yeah. Farage? Not, for, not Farage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, the, the Albino. Wiki, the, Wiki, the WikiLeaks man. Yeah, the one, the one who... Assange. 
Assange, the, the rapist who's now holed up in Ecuadorian embassy or something. So, yeah. yeah, him. He's been in Ecuadorian embassy for years. Yeah, that, yeah. that mad bastard. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, Snowden was the um, whistleblowing. Whistleblowing. Yeah. It takes... It, it, we've, we've criticised him in W and in Nixon for not really attacking the, the, the establishment enough. This one usually does something similar, but I actually didn't mind it so much in this one. It's, it's a very down-the-line sort of retelling yeah. of the story I thought and it didn't really it, it obviously the, the, what they were doing was awful enough that that comes across quite well you know but it's not really trying it's not really trying to make a huge point in it it's just showing one guy sort of out his depth I thought for a lot of the time um, yeah you know it's almost like a middle a, a tiny cog in a massive machine realising this machine is fucked I don't know how I can fix it but I can try and do one thing and yeah. then realising I've done this one thing, oh my god, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do now. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I'm getting muddled because I watched a documentary on Snowden at the same time. Right. It came out that far superior, I don't oh. know what that was called, um, that delved deeper and, and gave us a bit more. But I, I think this is perfectly fine. It's it's passable. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it sits in four. That's the, that's the documentary I watched, which was good. Yeah. Um, which is well worth a watch, but uh, this is fine. Uh, and but I, I, it's it, it, what there are some really good scenes in there. There's some um, he's rolling back the years and places. Yes, when, uh, when it felt it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At times it felt like like it felt almost JFK. Um, it, it touched upon stuff yeah. like that. It touched upon stuff that he, that he brought to the floor, um, and things like Wall Street and um, and even in Born the Fourth of July to an extent, but. It, again, it became at times it was just a standard sort of biopickiness to it, which yeah, it maybe needed because I don't think any people know who Snowden is beyond the fact that he's a name. Yeah, he's it, it's, it's as again, it's too soon, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, he, the, he the, needs to let things breathe. Yeah, let the guys become history rather the, than you know, um, you know, current affairs. Yeah, Snowden's role in the world is still ongoing. It's not finished yet. You know, he's still got. He's still. You don't know what he's. I mean, I don't know. Is he still in Russia? Yeah, I think he might be. Yeah. yeah. So there's. He's granted, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know what's going to happen next. You know, and if anything, what he did has maybe still playing out. You don't know how much he had to involvement with what the Trump election and that kind of thing could have been. So it felt yeah. like, yeah, this felt again too soon. He needs to. He needs to breathe. Like Nixon was fine. Nixon came out like good what fifteen twenty years after he's resignation and JFK came out a good nearly 30 years after his assassination so there's in the doors as well was a good what god knows how long after the Jim Morrison died so those are those, those are fine to breathe but the other one's just sort of it's very very soon after after the events to try and make it and almost, he almost wants to be the first one in the door to try and get his stamp on it yeah yeah you're right I think that, that is a problem um, yeah so what's he got in the Pipeline now. I'm I'm honestly not sure. He seems to be very quiet as of late. He's he's sort of taking stock. I don't think Snowden particularly lit up the box office in any real great way. No. Um yeah. but that's his career so far that's his career so far. So three Oscars, which is you know, it's not shabby. No. No. All, all um, heavily uh the formative, formative period, yeah. when he was on fire, wasn't it? Yeah, seven time nomination. So the last time he was nominated was back with JFK, so that was ninety one. You know, so it's been a while since he's, he's sort of had uh-huh. a big hit. Um, generally, what what's your thoughts on on Stone? A really important filmmaker because he's a provocateur, and not everything works, but that's part of his appeal. Yeah, I think he's a, he's, a, he's he's a genuine has to go down as a great because he's he's directed and handwritten, which not many people do, and he directed and written three or four. Four probably absolute five star stone cold classics yep. that will stand the test of time. So it goes down as a great one by yourself. Yeah, for me, he's, he's a man of a definite, like you said, a, a man of two halves in his career. You know, from eighty six to I'd probably say ninety. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him Nixon. I'm gonna give him Nixon. So from eighty six to ninety five, he done some insanely important and sort of defining cinema. Mm-hmm. That even nowadays you still see people copying to a great degree and, and trying to ape in some way. Um, but Guys like Adam McKay, guys like Michael Moore, you know, they, they, you can tell they've been inspired by this guy. 95, you know, downwards, you know, with the odd exception, maybe with, like, say, I've, I've got a soft spot for any given Sunday. From 97 down, I think it is, it's very average. Yeah, it's, it's not, if you did that, it's it's almost like a, 
Robert De Niro. Yeah. Know, we're kind of two halves, isn't it? Yeah. Mediocre. Yeah, it's, it's just... It, poor. It's almost a guy swinging to try and be what he once was, but not knowing how he did it the first time round. Do, do you think it's it's simply a case of... I mean, obviously, he's still... You listen to him in interviews, he's, he's a fierce intellect. Yes. You know, all the stuff. He's a fierce intellect, but, and it doesn't feel like the fire. But I would say, from a, a filmmaking perspective, it certainly has. When you when you think about the, the zero fucks given attitude of something like Platoon hmm. or Wall Street, he is not. He was not afraid to upset the orthodoxy. In fact, it felt as if he was on a mission to do just that. Yeah. Uh, and now it's almost like a kind of a pale imitation of, of trying that. But that, that sense of youthful braggadocio is less. He's an old man trying to capture that fun fact. It just comes across bitter rather than incendiary. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like you watch like a winger in football. You know, like see when he's, when he's 19, he can run by everybody and he, no one can catch him. And you just want to watch him all day long. When he hits yeah. 32, 33, he's trying to do the same thing again. But everyone's figured out what he's doing. And he's lost his pace. And he's lost the one thing that made him, you know, give him, that gave him that... That extra, that spark that made him the great, the great he was. He's got, yeah. he's either got to adapt his game or bow out. And I don't want, I don't want to see Oliver Stone bow out, but I want to see him adapt his game. Scorsese adapted his game. You know, if you look at the film work of Scorsese back from like when he started broke through in the seventies to what he does now, it's different. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different filmmaker. You know, Spielberg's a completely different filmmaker now as well. Yeah. You know, he's, he's yeah. totally changed. Even the Cobras to an extent. You know, even Tarantino, the, the Tarantino, the Tarantino who made Reservoir Dogs is not the same Tarantino who made um, Hateful Eight. No. It's no. not. He's not. No, you're right. It's, it's those edges smooth because you get older. Oh. But you can you can still create something that subverts and transcends to maybe accept the fact that the old is there, but maybe you can't accept. Yeah, it. maybe and maybe use what you've learned to try and to craft something differently. You know, you look at somebody like Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson made all those cringe, like not cringy, those those really interestingly but gory, cheap ass horror films. Yeah, B movies. Yeah. And then he made probably one of the greatest trilogies of all time. You know, which which. That director who made those films shouldn't have made, but he learned yeah. enough through making other things that he could re- def- refine his career into something more. And with Stone, I still feel he's still trying to do the same thing he was doing in 1980, but the world has yeah. changed and he's just not changed enough with it. And at times, he becomes like the Simpsons with Grandpa shouting at the cloud, you know? <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> you, know, you know, he feels like that kind of guy. Um, very quickly, what would your top three be if you had to sit there and watch three back to back? What would it be? Uh, okay. Uh, Say platoon number one, yep. JFK two, and Born on the Wall Street. I have exactly the same. I've got JFK number one, no platoon number two, and Wall Street yeah. number three. Those are the three, I think, the defining ones for me that the, that you should be remembered for. I'd agree. Yeah. Um. So I've enjoyed this, man. If we're going to do this again, who would you pick to do it next time? Oof, I don't know. We, we've got. We can't think of someone that we that we both idolise. Uh, we've got to think of someone that. We like some films we don't. I think Oliver Stone was a perfect choice. Uh, you could spend an hour track. You could be in an hour track convince me you like Wes Anderson. You could do that. I was thinking Wes Anderson. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> lyrical and you say no. 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 Please stop it. Unless you're doing cartoons, I don't care. Yeah, I want. I, I did. I actually did enjoy the the Bottle Rocket. I enjoy Bottle Rocket, but it's the least Wes Anderson film. Which ever. is why I probably liked it more than I should have done. That's why I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Jason Reitman film. Yeah, but we will. We will definitely do this again. We'll try and find someone else to do. Well, how yeah, will we get think? Thinking. I'll get thinking someone interesting to do. Um, but for this week and whatever week this happens to be, I've been Richard. You've been Stuart McFall, and you've been listening to. Three beers in a movie.